Good morning. My name is Joshua. I work with the uh, children and youth here at Oak Park. And uh, in the student ministry on Wednesday nights, we've been teaching through the book of Matthew, focusing on the kingdom of heaven. And as really interesting to me as I was studying this, uh, we've been teaching particularly the parables of Christ. But as I studied this more closely, um, I was looking more at the ministry of Christ to see how um, Christ spoke to people or how he organized his ministry when he went into these different places. And I was trying to compare that to what we do here at Oak Park, to compare his preaching to my preaching and the, the message that I'm communicating when I speak to the church or speak to the students. And as I was looking, I, I came across some passage here in uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, that clearly outlines the ministry of Christ. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages. He went from town to town in the area there that he grew up in. And it says that he was teaching in their synagogues. The first thing that we find Christ doing in his ministry is teaching. And he was always instructing people how to please God with the way that they lived. You see this um, in all sorts of different aspects. Um, sometimes it was here, like it mentions, in the synagogues. On the day that the Jewish people got together, he would go and, and teach there. But we also see it um, in personal conversations that he had with just a few friends. And they're walking down the street. And he would say, hey, do you see this uh, field over here? Let me tell you a story about uh, the kingdom of heaven and, and how it relates. So, or it could be the exact opposite. It would be on a hillside where he would be speaking and teaching to a, a huge crowd of thousands of people. And Christ was often teaching and using every moment to explain what God asked for the people to do. And when I think about the ministries here at Oak Park, we do an excellent job of this. Pastor Chase and Pastor Jamin here on Sunday morning and um, the discipleship classes that many of you uh, just finished the first quarter of um, on uh, Wednesday night. So beautiful hearing the children stand here and um, talk about the scriptures that they've memorized. And when we teach, we're um, doing the very work of Christ. And then it goes on to say the second thing that Christ was doing was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. This word gospel means the good news. He's going out telling them something good about the kingdom of heaven. And I, I was reflecting about um, how I was trained as a, a kid to share my faith, different outlines like um, um, admit, believe, confess, or, or maybe the Roman road. And I was trained to go and, and tell people that they need to repent and that they need to trust Christ. But as I, I was reading the book of Matthew, I was reflecting and I thought far too often I didn't explain to people the good news, why they should repent, why they should follow Christ. We miss out on the good news of the kingdom of heaven. And we see a picture of this kingdom starting at the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1. God dwelt among his people, and there was no uh, sickness and disease, there was no death, 
There's no broken relationships. There, there was ease in their work. But then sin came into the world and distorted everything that God said he had created that was very good. And then we go on and, and the sin continued and we come to Isaiah 61. The prophet says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prisons to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. And this was good news that the people were anticipating. And this good news, as the passage we read earlier, John in the book of Revelation, he, he continues this exact same thought in Revelation 21, verse 3 through 4. He says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And when we go out into the world, this must be the good news that we proclaim to those who are in need. That... God has come to give us eternal life forever in this kingdom. And not just life, but life abundantly. He says that you're blessed when you're poor, and you're blessed when you mourn, and you're blessed when you're persecuted. And yes, we need to call on people to repent and to trust Christ with their entire life. But we must also present a message that is so good to them that when they see it, they're so filled with joy that in their joy they gladly leave all the things in their world to pursue this kingdom of heaven. And the next thing that we do, we see Christ do, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. He didn't just come to preach, but to, to care for their physical needs. To bring this good kingdom into earth there in that very present moment. We see several examples of this previously in John chapter 9, verse 2. Him healing a, a paralyzed man. Verse 18. There was a man who came to him whose daughter had died. And he lays his hand on the little girl and he brings her to life. Verse 20, it's a woman who had an illness for 12 years, and she just touches Christ's clothes, and she's healed. Verse 27, there's two blind men who come to Christ, and it gives them sight. Verse 32, it's a man who is impressed by a demon, and Christ brings freedom to his life. He wasn't just preaching about some kingdom that was coming, he was showing it to the people. And as we go out into the world, both teaching here on Sunday and proclaiming the good news, we have a responsibility to show them Christ and care for their physical needs. 
Man, I wish I could go to the children's hospital, and I wish that I could be like Christ and go from room to room and, and he, put my hands on kids and them just come running out of the halls behind me, no longer faced with cancer or, or all sorts of other terrible diseases. But God has not given me that ministry. But we see in the scriptures several ministries that Christ has given us. I think of uh, James chapter 2. Verse 15 through 19, this is the brother of Christ, and he says, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled, but without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you by my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? You do well. Even the demons believe, and they shudder. So you can quote all kinds of scriptures out of this book. So you can stand and, and teach in a Sunday school class. If you don't have good works, if you're not going out doing the work of Christ, caring for people's physical needs. He says your faith is dead. We see something similar in the book of uh, 1 John chapter 3. This is one of Christ's closest friends. He says this in 1 John 3 verse 17 and 18. He says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And as we go out proclaiming this good news, we must also be demonstrating the kingdom of heaven to a world that's hurting. And then the next thing we see in John 9 Verse 36, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. This word compassion means that there was a stirring in his bowels. He looked on the crowds, these thousands who had come to him, and his heart was moved with compassion for them. In order for him to have compassion, it says that he saw the crowds, and it's our seeing the world in need that drives our heart to compassion. It wasn't until I went to Haiti a couple years ago and I, I spent time among the people in need that my heart was moved to compassion when I saw what real poverty and hunger looks like when I had a little kid come up to me and, and pull at my clothes and beg for food or water. Seeing moved my heart to compassion. It wasn't until I led VBS this past year. We had children come, and I, I sit down with them to, to tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ. And they look at me with all sincerity and they say, yeah, Jesus Christ, I know that. That's what you say when you're angry. They know Jesus Christ to only be a figure of speech that you say when you're upset. 
And it moved my heart to compassion for the children. It wasn't until I started going to the football team every Thursday and preaching to them and then walking up and down the sidelines and and traveling with them to games and sitting on the bus and having conversations with them and hearing about some of the difficult situations that have happened to them as children or, or the situations that they go home to every single day. It wasn't until I saw that my heart was moved to compassion and oh, how I love that football ministry, and I'm begging the other coaches now to, to, con- to allow me to continue to minister to other sports because my heart was moved to compassion. And then he says, there it says, he's moved with compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless. Harassed and helpless. And this week I called our ministry partners that we have here at Oak Park. Many different organizations that we partner with, we support financially. And I called them, I said, hey, tell me what harassed and helpless looks like in your context, in your situation. I called Cody and I said, hey, tell me what harassed and helpless looks like. He's the college minister at IUS. He told me of a, of a student that he sits down with and has lunch. And and there's no joy on their life. He speaks to them, and they're they're kind back to him. But there's emptiness on the inside. Talks about harassed and helpless. College students who are, are just partying and just living for the moment. They're seeking pleasure. Harassed by the ways of the world. I speak to Rose over at uh, Choices Resource Center, an organization that um, cares for the needs, both physical and spiritual, of of women who've gotten pregnant and and they have nowhere to turn. They're considering abortion and and they feel lost and helpless. And I asked Rose, I said, what does harassed and helpless look like in your situation? She speaks of women who come in and their lives are aimless. They have no purpose beyond the very day. They're trying to just take care of their kids and and keep their lights on that very day. They they can't even think about tomorrow. Women who are discouraged because of the situation, the choices that they've made. Women who are embarrassed by their family and their friends because they're pregnant by a man who's not their husband. I spoke to Corey, who leads the uh, Louisville Rescue Mission and the soon-to-be Southern Indiana Rescue Mission, a, a shelter for people to come in and get different services. And I asked him, what does harassed and helpless look like in your context? And he told me of men who are misunderstood by the world, people who, who don't know how to live. They've grown up in homes that were harassed and helpless. They have a history of abuse and addiction that occurred in their home. And now they're grown and they're just repeating the same cycle. They have no clue how to take care of their needs. Or maybe it's a neighbor of yours, someone who lives right next door, who's considering divorce and 
and their relationship with their spouse is broken. And they're harassed and helpless. Maybe it's a coworker who's made some really poor decisions and they come to work and they're ashamed. Or maybe it's a kid among us who's facing oppression by evil in their life, abuse, and they're harassed and they're helpless. But as we go out, we're not just another organization like the Peace Corps, the United Way. We're just caring for people's physical needs. There's a lot of people in the world who have compassion for people in need. But if you see the next part of Matthew 9 in Christ's ministry, it says he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We're not just trying to care for somebody's needs. We're trying to fix their real need for a savior and point them to the kingdom of heaven. We're going out proclaiming this good news, pointing to them to where there is true hope. As we go about our day and we come across a sheep without a shepherd who's walking dangerously close to a cliff, we should be moved by compassion for them. And as we go about our day and we see a sheep without a shepherd who's fallen into a hole and they have no clue how to get themselves out, or as we go about our day and we see a small baby sheep who's surrounded by wolves about to be de devoured, our heart should be moved with compassion and we should pick them up and we should lead them to the good shepherd who will bring real healing in their life. He is the good shepherd that though he has 99 sheep, he leaves them to go search for the one because he cares for each one with this great compassion. This God who is in his eternal heavenly throne and was so moved with compassion that he came here to earth to live among us and put up with all of our brokenness and to be mocked and spit on and whipped and nailed to a cross to die for our sins because he was moved with compassion. And I know that as I speak today, that there are some among us when I speak of harassed and helpless, your heart's moved, but not with compassion. Your heart's moved because those things describe your everyday reality. Your life is a struggle. You are the harassed and helpless. And I come telling you that there is a Savior who promises rest for your weary soul. He says that that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I come to tell you that there is a good kingdom that is near. And yes, you must repent. And yes, you must turn from your ways. But the Bible tells us that there's something far greater than the things you're leaving behind. And will today be the day of salvation? You'll quit fighting against God, your creator, and you'll surrender to him and find rest 
in the good news of the scriptures. It says that his heart was moved with compassion, and then he turns to his disciples in verse 37. And he says to him, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Those in need are many, but those willing to go to those in need are few. When I think of our different ministries, I think of these children who come and fill our gym and run around like crazy on Wednesday night. And the amount of kids we have coming are many, but the amount of workers we have serving them are few. We have a lot of faithful women, but particularly men that are willing to sacrifice their Wednesday night to come and have a, a little bratty kid throw a dodgeball at their head. <laughs> They're few. I go visit Pastor Joseph in Haiti. And, and the, the children who need their physical needs, that need a, a bowl of rice that day, are many. The amount of pastors and church leaders who need to learn about the scriptures are many. And he has a lot of groups who come and visit for a week throughout the summer, but the amount of people that are willing to leave the American dream, to leave the, the safety and security of their suburb home, to go spend months in Haiti and live among the people are few. Something that Pastor Chase has been speaking on for months, standing here on the stage on Sundays asking for People to go to the prison ministry. They're in Clarksville, the, the county jail. The amount of people that are sitting there with nothing better to do with their day than to sit there and listen to you tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ. The amount of people are many, but those that have answered Pastor Chase's call to go have been few. I speak with Rose at, at Choices and and the amount of women just coming to their facility, like they're not out finding women going door to door. They're just coming and showing up. The amount of women are many. The amount of women from our church that are willing to sacrifice time to go minister to these women and care for their physical needs and proclaim the good news of the coming kingdom to them is few. I think about the community around us. We had the fall festival and so many families just walking here, coming across the street, just coming from all over the neighborhood. The amount was many. But the amount of people within our church that are willing to sacrifice and come live here in this community, Oak Park or the community back here, and sacrifice to live among these people and minister to them are few. I speak to Corey and and every single day, the amount of people filling their lobby with, with mouths to feed in great need are many. The amount of men, particularly from our church, that are willing to go to this difficult place and hang out with some people with some baggage and teach them how to work or have a Bible study with them is few. I, I go visit Jeff High School, and I walk through the halls at Jeff, 
And I see thousands of kids who are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd that are many. But I think about the families in our church that have strong believing kids that are willing to sacrifice to send their kids as missionaries into Jeff High School to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of heaven are few. And I think of the children in our community that are in the foster care system and they're hungry and they're oppressed. But I think about the families in our church that are willing to sacrifice some comfort and bring some chaos into their home and be foster families are few. And I ask you, church, to rise up and to do the work of Christ in a hurting world. To not leave this place and go out and try to build your own kingdom spread out all through southern Indiana and Louisville. But that you'll be busy storing up treasures in heaven where your 401k cannot be destroyed and thieves cannot break in and steal. That your home will look less like something out of a magazine and more like the dinner table that we find in Matthew 9, verse 10, where Christ is sitting, enjoying a meal with the undesirables, those that the religious leaders look down on. May you not be those religious leaders who Christ calls out and says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Not to just throw some money in the offering plate and think you're good, but to go out and get your hands dirty doing the very thing that Christ himself did. He says that it's not the well who need a doctor, it's the sick. He says, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Colossians chapter 3. May we go out and get out of this beautiful church and get out of your safe and secure home. And may we see the crowds. May we have compassion on them. And so what should we do? Where should we go from here? The next verse there, 38, it says, therefore, pray. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into the harvest. He doesn't say, go try to... Uh, uh, put together this video with starving children and play some inspirational music in the background and hope that people's hearts will be stirred. He doesn't say make some uh, Facebook posts and, and bulletin announcements every week so that people are constantly reminded of the need. He doesn't say go have one-on-one -on -one conversations with people and guilt them into serving with you. He says pray earnestly. 
pray to God of the harvest. That the same spirit that lived within Jesus Christ, that filled his heart with this great compassion, that it will be within us in the form of the Holy Spirit and stir up our hearts with compassion. This has changed the way that I do ministry when I think about the different needs, and there's always needs in children and youth ministry. Before I do anything, that I pray and I ask God to take care of the specific need that I have. Just one example, I was praying just a couple weeks ago. God, we have a need for a third, a fourth and fifth grade Sunday school teacher. And I prayed for weeks. And then Bert Hodge stops me in the hallway one day and he says, hey, I've been thinking about teaching with kids. And I talked with Crystal, I think that may be a good fit for me. Pray that God will take care of our needs and move people's hearts. It looks like praying in our everyday ministry as we begin our day. Maybe it's a drive to work or at home before everyone wakes up. Pray that God will give us opportunities that day to go proclaim the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of heaven, and to care for people's physical needs. It looks like the prayer of Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Paul says, pray also for me that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. It looks like us praying the way that Christ did in Matthew chapter 6, when he teaches his disciples how to pray. He says, God, may your kingdom come, and may your will be done here on earth, in our world, in our community, as it is in heaven. And this is the prayer that I pray every single day. I've been praying for this sermon and that God will move our hearts with compassion far more longer than I've been studying for this sermon. And I pray for our leaders, our elders of this church, that they will demonstrate this and that they will communicate this compassion to the people. I've been praying for you and some of the different ministries we have. I went through the list, each one, praying that, that someone will stand up and answer the call. I've been praying for my own life that God will use me and my wife and our home. As we reflect on the ministry of Christ, let me read with you again Matthew 9, 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Let us pray. Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, 
Jesus Christ, our Lord, we come to you asking for some things. I pray for those here that are harassed and helpless, those who are going about life like sheep without a shepherd. God, that you will stir them up with a love for you. May they see the great joy that is the kingdom of heaven and gladly leave all the things that they brought into this place. May you bring salvation into their life. May they turn from their ways and submit to the king and receive eternal life. God, I pray for my own life, that your kingdom will come and your will will be done in my own life, that I will be a man that goes out and penetrates the darkness. I pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done in our home, that our home will be filled with children and, and people who do not believe. God, I pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done in this church. That our seats every Sunday will be filled with people that are harassed and helpless. That those now who are believers, that your spirit will stir up compassion within them. And that they will go out and get their hands dirty doing your work. God, I pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done in our community. May lives be transformed as we go into Riverside Elementary and to Parkview Middle School and to Jeff High School and to Oak Park Neighborhood and to the apartments across the street. God, may your kingdom come and your will be done here in our community. May your kingdom come and your will be done in the surrounding communities, New Albany and Charlestown and Louisville. God, may you look on us and the work that we're doing and may you be pleased. Give us courage and give us conviction to the glory and the fame of Jesus Christ, our King. Amen.